Well, I'm surprised we have this many out because of the storm. It's been a good, bad, and ugly, wonderful week and month and year, hasn't it? Good, the bad, and the How many ever saw that movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? That's an old movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Well, in the scripture, actually, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly, and God does not hold back as he informs us what the good the bad and the ugly is. A couple weeks ago, we started a series. Actually, I robbed the title from a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And we studied Psalms 19. Does anybody remember what Psalms 19 is about? The evidence that is overwhelming in the skies. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display their knowledge. Get this. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So the good, the good is this. God has left us with the witness that he exists in spite of what our scientists tell us. He exists in the skies. Proclaim that. Not only that, you proclaim that by your testimony. Not only that, the word of God proclaims that he exists. That's the good stuff. Then God reminds us why he even came to this planet. And in Romans chapter 1, if you want to turn there, Romans chapter 1, he reminds us why he came in the first place. So you have the good, the testimony that God exists. His, his people who testify that he exists. His word that testify that he exists. But then Romans explains to the world why he actually came to this planet. I've entitled the second part of this series Scrapping the Evidence. The evidence that we just talked about. Scrapping the evidence that God exists, and then in the, the Gospels, that a righteousness exists for God's people. Remember, without righteousness, we will never see. God. So he has proclaimed in the Gospels another good that a righteousness exists for you and me, free the gift of eternal life. By the way, next week, I'm just going to pass everyone out of track and we're going to go through it. It's called the eternal life track and we're going to preach on that particular track to teach everyone how easy it is to tell someone about how they can obtain this righteousness Probably 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20, 30 people I've used this track to lead people to Jesus Christ. So you won't want to mix, miss next week called Eternal Life. How you can lead someone to have eternal life. Back to this week again. The evidence that was overwhelming. Is there a consequence to ignoring or scrapping or destroying the evidence that God exists. Well, let's look at Romans 1. We're going to be reading 16 through 32, but not all at once. Let's look at 16, 17, and 18 in Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Whoa. Do you remember when you were lost? I was ashamed to be seen. I didn't want to talk about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about him. I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to associate with those people. I didn't want to go to church. Do you remember when you used to live that way? You were ashamed of the gospel. Now because you're born again, sins have been forgiven. Jesus is your Savior. You've been baptized in the family of God. You're no longer ashamed to testify that Jesus is our Savior, my Savior. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, here gets kind of ugly now. God's told us the good. He wants, he's, he's given us the goods on how to have peace with him. He's explained that he exists and he's created all things. 
He's told the world through Jesus Christ, a righteousness can now be obtained so that we have peace with our God and creator. That's the good news. The ugly news is the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Here's why. Against the ugliness. Against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Here's the key, though. Where we get the title of this morning's message. And we know something about it, don't we? Suppress the truth that may be made known about God. That's why his wrath is being revealed. Now, there are different types of wrath in the scripture. There's the judgment wrath when, when the sinners stand before God and they'll be judged for what they did on this earth. But the wrath that God's talking about in this particular passage happens to do with basically scrapping the evidence, scrapping the evidence that he exists, or a key word you could use, abandonment. God is going to, in spite of all the evidence, he's going to abandon you to your sinful life, your sinful nature, because you have suppressed all the truth that he's given to you and me. That's bad news. Now remember, Paul tells the bad news before he gets to all the good news in the gospel of Romans, or the Romans, or the book of Romans. Now remember in Acts 14, God said that in the generations gone by, he says that God let all the nations go their way. In other words, he, every single nation is corrupt. And he's let them go their way. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem with Pain, said to the lost, Enjoy forever the horrible freedom they have demanded and therefore are therefore self-enslaved. This good news of righteousness from God, Paul promoted, he preached and proclaimed alongside that God existed. It was scrapped in the Jewish culture. And then God abandoned, if you recall, Jerusalem. Remember, he abandoned the Jews in 70 AD. It was totally destroyed. He prophesied that it would be because they abandoned, they suppressed the truth. We recall in the history of Israel, God wrote Ichabod over the history of the Jews when they abandoned God and he no longer revealed himself through a pillar of fire in the day and a cloud, a cloud in the day and a, fire, a pillar of fire at night. Remember that? He abandoned them. He was no longer in the Holy of Holies. God wrote Ichabod over the people of of the Hebrews. So we know something about abandonment. Just like he abandoned, you remember he abandoned Samson, that strong, real, real Superman that really existed on this earth. And then when he rebelled against God, he, the Holy Spirit abandoned him. So God is saying, I'm going to abandon the sinner who suppresses the truth. I'm going to, you, you're scrapping the truth for what? For a lie. We're going to learn about that this morning. So I want to think about this. Also, I want to tell you something. Not a lot of preachers are going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because it's not popular. But what parent does not warn his child of impending danger? Walking across the street without looking both ways. How many of you really walked your kids to the edge of the street and, and told them, now look to the left and now look to the right? Only to, to suppress that evidence or truth and they just go ahead and walk across the street without even looking. We've told them hundreds and hundreds of times, don't touch the hot stove. So we warn people of impending danger. God is warning this planet. He has come with the righteousness, free of charge, but if we suppress that truth, there is a consequence to that. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. Let me, let me help you think for a moment of how Jesus spoke more in hell than he did heaven. I didn't know if you knew that because he wanted to warn us of that place. How does society suppress truth? Think about the Holocaust. Did you know that 75% of the people could care less about what happened in the 40s, they could care less about it. And many Americans, one-third, do not think it ever happened. 
What about the man on the moon? How many were living? I was living when, when the first man landed on the moon. How many were living? Do we have any older folks in this guy? I've got a few that are willing to admit it. Do you know that going around at that time, many people believe a man actually did not land on the moon in spite of all the evidence, in spite of the three thirty billion billion that it took to put a man on the moon, in spite of the 400,000 NASA employees and contract contractors that put Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon in 1969. But one man spread the idea that it was a hoax. Hoax. His name was Bill Casing. And it took off. What about proponents of the flat earth? How many flat earthers do we have in here? I see some flat heads, but no flat earthers here. I've been around those guys. Oh, my goodness. In spite of all the evidence, I don't know if you know this, but 44% of the 18 to 24-year-olds, how many 18 to 24-year-olds do we have in here? Oh, okay, so a couple admit it. Guess what? 44% of them don't believe that the world is round. Our work is cut out for us adults to teach our children about a lot of things, but including that the world is round. Oh, my goodness. By the way, not to pick on any country, but in Brazil, anybody from Brazil that will admit it here? I see one or two. I don't know if you know that, but in the country, over 11 million people think the world is flat. <laughs> My goodness sakes, suppressing the evidence. What about the creation and the crater? 97% of the scientific community accepts evolution as the dominant scientific theory of biological diversity. I don't know if you know it, this year is the 200th and 11th anniversary of Charles Darwin's birth. Roughly 8 in 10 adults, that is 81%, say humans, have evolved over time. Although some Christians, about 45%, says that God uses evolution as a way of, of creating man. And things evolving on this planet. What happens when we scrap the evidence? Well, let's look at that this morning. Do we just kind of sweep it under the rug? And can we sweep it under the rug and stay there? Not so with God. He explains in Romans 1 what will happen when we reject the plain evidence that God exists and that he has a righteousness available for you and me. Let's look at what verse 19 and 20 says about this plain evidence in Romans chapter 1 in verse 19. So if you're keeping notes, by the way, if you download the VLC app, you're looking in online, remember you can go to our app and it has our outline there. So first of all, I want you to look at this morning at the plain evidence. The plain evidence that God existed has been scrapped. Verse 19. Because what is known about God is plain to us, to them, since God said he has made it plain to them for ever since the creation of the universe, his invisible qualities. What are they? Both his external power and his divine nature have been clearly seen because they can be understood from what he has made. Therefore, they have no excuse. So here we have it. God's telling us the bad news. If we scrap the evidence, exactly why he came and why his wrath is coming. Now, you and me don't have to fear his wrath anymore, but we have a lot of loved ones that we don't want to have to endure God's wrath. But his wrath is coming because of human ungodliness. That is sin against God. Number two. Because of human unrighteousness, that is, sin against man. Number three, human unbelief, that means suppression of truth, which is where we begin this message this morning. The external evidence. You learned about it. Jot it down. Psalms 19, once again, the heavens declare the glories of God. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. The skies proclaim the work of his hands that he exists. And every day they display the knowledge that God exists. 
And no one can use the excuse, well, what about those over in Brazil? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick on Brazil. What about those over in Peru? I didn't mean to pick on those in Peru. What about those over in China? I didn't mean to pick on. What about those in America? The evidence is overwhelming that God exists. The external evidence has to be suppressed. And if you decide to do that, there's going to be a consequence about all the plain evidence that's made available for you. What have we exchanged it for? An unverifiable evolution through natural selection that explains the origins of the existence of the material world all around us. You see, the evidence that God exists and he is creator of all things is so plain, it kind of reminds me of the little kid that has chocolate all over his face and all over his hands. And Johnny, were you in the cookie jar before dinner? No, mom. And has it all over him. That's the kind of picture that God gives us. He said, you're suppressing the truth that I exist. And there's going to be a consequence to that. So there's an external pressure, plain evidence that he exists. But there's an internal evidence that's plain also. Did you know that? Internal evidence that he exists. That's basically found in Ecclesiastes 3.11, if you want to jot down that reference. Ecclesiastes 3.11 reminds us of something, and it probably reminds us why people are religious all over the entire world. He said in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Here it is. He has also set eternity in some humans' hearts. Not at all. He said, he has also set eternity in the human heart, in every human heart, in some translations. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. So, the so-called experts that reject God's explanation of creation... Here's what he has to say to these PhDs of the world. Now, I have a THD. I know some of you have a PhD. I found out later. I'm not making fun of you, but the scientific guys that have PhDs, I am making fun of them. Here's what Job 38.4 says. Here's what God said through Job and to these PhD scientists that are speaking in our universities and our schools. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? You've been spending billions of our dollars and our tax dollars. You're teaching in our universities. You're teaching our kids in our school system. In fact, first grade, it says five billion years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Were you there five billion years ago? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much well what happens if we scrap that evidence which we have let me think about today about scrapping the evidence of COVID-19 well I'll try not to be too uh, relevant today but I I can't think of one of the silly would you mind if I said something about COVID COVID COVID-19 I mean uh, I'm not picking on the mass people. I didn't pick on the Brazilian people. I've not picked on the, the Ethiopian people. I haven't picked on Americans. But I, this one boggles my mind. You go in the restaurant. I have one little strap around my ear with a mask. Okay, here I am. Hi, let me be seated. And I take it off. That mask really helped me a lot. <laughs> and then you see these people in the car all by themselves. Then they're riding down the road. They're driving down the road. I mean, they're walking all by themselves out in the country, by the beach or down the road. There's nobody around. You talk about uh, making sure they're practicing distance. There's no one within 100 yards, and they got a mask on. But not only that, it is scientifically proven what? That 90% of the masks that we wear, like this shirt, they don't work. You know it's true. Is it true? Can I get an amen? Are you out there? Are you listening? Amen. Can I hear from you on TV land? Amen. I'll even say it this way, if you'll permit me. If there's gas in the room, whether it's human gas or it's a gas from the pipes, if you can smell it through your mask, guess what? You're going to get COVID. So they're suppressing the evidence. What about the antidotes? that were available to help people be healed or get better. Am I getting too loud? I'm sorry. What about that evidence that was suppressed? 
Is there a consequence for suppressing evidence that God exists and that there's a righteousness available to mankind? Is there a consequence to that? Absolutely. What about scrapping the evidence of the guilty? I'll try not to bring anything to your imagination right now, but just think for a moment of all the evidence that's scrapped about the guilty. Hmm. 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 Okay, you got it, you got it, you got it in your mind. Now, now, um, well, okay, I, I could mention many airtight cases where a person was guilty and the evidence was scrapped. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I'll skip that. I didn't mention any names. But I will speak of the evidence for the innocent being scrapped. And they suffered tremendously as a result. They scrapped the evidence. The most famous case? Jesus. Ah, you thought it was going political, didn't you? You thought it was going political, didn't you? Ah. Jesus, they called him a criminal. They said he was a liar, a drunkard, a glutton. They said he was a blasphemer. They said he was Baal. They said he was the devil. They falsely accused him when there's thousands of people that gave evidence to the miracle-working power and healing power and resurrection power. Even Pilate himself said, I find no fault in him. And they still, still condemned him and killed him and crucified him. But he did it for our sake. So don't tell me suppressing evidence isn't dangerous. Man has scrapped the plain evidence that God has created everything. And there's a consequence to that. By the way, when you don't scrap evidence, it can be very helpful. You know, of the 12 tragic plane crashes that happened in the, in the world, there have been no fatal crashes on a U.S. scheduled airline in the past seven years as astounding record considering that more than 30,000 flights take off every day. Well, how did flight become so reliable? Because they didn't suppress the evidence of the planes that actually crashed and then they found what was wrong and what the problem was. Consider the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you recall this in your history, but TWA Flight 2 and United Airlines Flight 718 crashed in midair. The accident spurred a 250 million upgrade on air traffic control, the ATC system. And serious, that was serious money in those days. It worked. There hasn't been a collision between two airlines in the United States for over 47 years because we didn't suppress the evidence. The crash also triggered the creation of the 1958 of the Federal Aviation Agency, the now administration to oversee air safety. You see what happens when we don't suppress evidence? And when we do suppress evidence, well, man has scrapped the evidence that God exists. Remember, I'm talking about every nation on the planet, every single human being on the planet. Remember what God teaches us in case you try to exclude yourself or your family or our church. Remember, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So all of us scrap the evidence, but somehow, some way. God broke through the darkness, and the scripture says the earth, and in back, basically in Galilee, a light has dawned. God brought revelation to mankind, not only through the skies, but through the God-man Jesus, and through his word, through his apostles, and now through you, that he exists. Okay, we've scrapped the plain evidence for the model that Darwin has promoted. Secondly, what about the evidence 
The evidence was scrapped for unintelligence. You know, you'd think at least if you're going to scrap the evidence, you'd come up with something a little bit better. But let's look at what the scripture says that we actually scrapped the evidence for. Are you ready? Back to Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Okay, so mankind, because they know who God is, right? Is that everybody? That's everybody, according to God. That's everybody. They do not glorify him as God or thank him. On the contrary, they have become futile in their thinking and undiscerning hearts have become darkened. Claiming to be wise. Oh, boy, all these professors in school. By the way, I'm not picking on you if you're one of those people and a born-again believer. You just have your work cut out for you. Claiming to be wise, they become fools. In fact, they have exchanged the glory of the immortal God for mere images. I don't know, we may have some on the uh, screen that you might be able to see, like, a mortal human being or like birds or animals or reptiles. So the intelligent people, God said they've exchanged intelligence to becoming fools. Can you imagine all the brainy people that you know around you saying, I'm going to swap out my intelligence and I want foolishness to be instilled in my brain instead. That's what God said actually happens when we suppress the truth that he exists. So professors, professors, many professors of the world have scrapped the intelligent designer for the unproven science of the Big Bang. How did we get here? A Big Bang, boom, and here we came. Wow, that's like saying this computer, if you leave this computer alone for about a million, two, three billion years, what's going to happen to it? All of a sudden, a planet's going to be built from this computer. A big bang, or we came from even something worse, primordial soup. Uh, from some primordial soup. Where did the soup come from? And evolution, and we became educated fools. So these professors became educated fools, and parents have become fools for buying and allowing these lies to become facts in our schools. Uh, you think I'm being a little harsh. But two generations of our children, I grew up where you were taught the Bible in the school, even in the public school systems. It was a textbook, and you had to pass that course in order to graduate. Did you know that? Our first schools were started by godly men and women, and the Bible was taught as really an English book to teach English. So parents had become fools for buying and allowing these lies to become facts in our schools. And the students had become educated idiots and fools for listening to the fools. Now, that doesn't apply to us here. We're no longer fools. We've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And anybody looking in online, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, you went from fool to becoming intelligent. How do you like that? In American schools, the Genesis creation narrative was generally taught as the origin of the universe. Did you hear that again? Let me say that one more time. In America, American schools, the Genesis account in the book of Genesis was generally taught as the origin of the universe until who came along? The bird brain idiot fool called Darwin. And his theories became widely accepted. Get this. In 2007, 16% of all the teachers surveyed agreed with the creation, creationist option. That's in 2007. Now in 2019, only 10.5% of the teachers, so you wonder why I pick on teachers, surveyed. And only 7% of those who began teaching after 2007 did so, suggesting that creationists are decreasingly represented amongst the U.S. public high school bio, biology teachers. In Wikipedia, I don't know if we have a picture of that at all, but evolution is recognized as a central theme in the classroom using those same stats. In 2007, a bare majority of 51% of high school biology teachers emphasized the scientific consensus on evolution while giving no credence to creationism. Now, in 2019... These teachers were in a commanding majority. 
67% of our teachers believe this foolish, bird-brained idiot called Darwin for an explanation for our origins. Nearly 97% of the scientific community accepts evolution as the dominant scientific theory of biological diversity. 97%. And yet, look at the money that is spent when we send our kids to these universities. Again, if you send them there, you have your work cut out for you. As I told my son the other day, if he goes, his kids go to public schools, sometimes some can homeschool, some can't. You're just going to have to debrief them. You're going to have to be involved with your children. If they go to the schools, that's fine. we got to go to school somewhere. we got to work in an ungodly world, so I'm not picking on you, okay? In case anybody thinks I'm picking on them. But you better, if you care about your child, you better debrief them when they come back from first grade and second grade. And says, Bobby has two mommies. Or that the earth is five billion years old. So go ahead and send them to school. But when they come home, you better debrief them. Or you'll raise an educated fool about the world. Amen? Well, I'm getting some frowns from back there. So, swapped intelligence for foolishness. The intelligent designer to unintelligible objects. Oh, Siri found something too. I see. Even she's not a bird brain idiot. She found some evidence that's overwhelming. Well, I'll talk to you later, okay? I never thought when I was in the 60s talking to Go, Go, Gomez, does anybody remember that program? No, no one remembers. Says Dick Tracy. Does anybody remember Dick Tracy? You heard about it or seen comic books on it? Raise your hand. Nobody? Okay, okay. You remember Dick Tracy? This is Go, Go, Gomez. This is Go, Go, Gomez. Come on in. Whoever believed you would be able to do that back in the 60s with a watch? Man, here we are. Wow. Intelligence. An intelligent designer to unintelligible objects. The heathen, fools, godless, in these verses that we just read, are not to be limited to those who just bow down to idols. So we look back in history. I do see that little belly, fat belly guy on some people's porches. No pun intended toward big bellies. <clears throat> but you ever see that guy in the front porch? You ever wave to him when you go by? You ever speak to him? No, he's an idiot. They, they carry him everywhere he goes. They, he can't do a cotton-picking thing for you. That's what God is saying. Picture that little guy, I won't call out his name, that he's sitting on people's porches and people's businesses, and he has no business being in their business. And they talk to him, and they call out to him. They carry him around. But remember, some bow at the foot of an idol, but others worship at the shrine of an ideal. So don't think we get to escape as Americans. There's other kind of gods, an ideal. God in heaven must laugh at our stupidity. As he did when men tried to make war against him. You recall in Psalms when he said the nations are lining up to do war against him and God in heaven laughs. You recall that? But he also does when we bow down to these idols. Isaiah 46, 1 through 2 reminds us of that. Isaiah 46, 1 through 2. Bel and Nebo, the gods of the Babylon, bow as they are lowered to the ground, these gods. They are being hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weights. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down, and the gods cannot protect the people, and the people cannot protect the gods, and they go off into captivity together. How do you like that? Swapping the intelligent designer, God, for marble, wood, hay, stubble, and you actually bow down to the things that you carry around. The God in heaven laughs at our stupidity. God continues to remind us in that same chapter about our ignorance and foolishness. In Isaiah 46, 5 through 10, he continues. Okay, who are you going to compare me with? We sang about it a little while ago. Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a God from it. 
They bowed down and worshiped it. They carried it around on their shoulders. And when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. God's telling us. He's teaching us. Don't forget this. Keep this in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I've done in the past. For I alone am God I am God, and there is no one like me. And he goes on to tell you, only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. So be careful, you guys that like to study astrology. How many like to read their... Don't raise your hand, please. You like to read your report each day of how things are going to go for today? Don't get your news from them. He said... Only I can tell the future before it ever happens. Even everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. So we can scrap the plan or the plain evidence of God's existence and now worship things he created, like Charles Darwin taught, or sin, or ultimately Satan. Now, here's the consequence of that, and I want you to hear it very clearly. The consequence of scrapping this plain evidence that he exists and that there's a righteousness available to you and me. There's a cost at suppressing this evidence. Was there a cost to Pharaoh, as you read the Old Testament, when he suppressed the all-powerful evidence that Yahweh alone was God? Was there a consequence to him? But not only to him, but to his family. But not only to his family, but to his city. But not only to his city, but his nation. Not only to his nation, but his army for suppressing the evidence that God is all-powerful. Every single miracle that took place, he suppressed the evidence. And he hurt the people in the land. Yes, he became more insane. He lost his son. He made everyone lose. And the only... and the. Consequence was not only his firstborn male in his household and country, but his entire army followed Moses into the Red Sea and were drowned. His nation lied in ruins. What happens today when we scrap the evidence that God exists? What happens as an individual? What happens as a family? What happens as a church? What happens as a nation? Well, God abandons you. His wrath, remember, God said, his wrath, his abandonment is coming to you at a nearby theater. No, in the word of God, he tells you the abandonment's coming. What does he abandon us to? Well, he plummets us deep, deep into sexual sins, mostly sexual sins. Let's look at it, three, and we'll end. He tells us in Romans 1, 24, here's the fallout. Here's the fallout because you reject the evidence of God. There are three of them. There's sexual sins, shameful sins, and sinful depravity. Let's look at it closely. Ready? Verse 24. This is why God has given them up. That means all the fools that embrace Darwinism, evolution, have suppressed the evidence. He says, he gave them up to, what? Vileness of their hearts, lusts, to the shameful misuse of each other's bodies. They have exchanged, remember, we're already exchanged intelligence for idols made of hands, but now he continues to tell us about that slippery slope of suppressing the truth. So they... The shameful misuse of others' bodies. They have exchanged the truth of God for falsehood by worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator praised be forever. Now, I don't have time to elaborate on that. Sexual desires that are out of hand. We have to fight it every day. Everywhere we go, we have to fight it because our culture is saturated with sexual sins. Okay, now you start down that slippery slope. Here's the second thing that God does. When he abandons us, his wrath comes upon us, he abandons us to sexual sins, but shameful sins. 
want you to know that God said that the body was made for the Lord, not for sex. That's hard to tell us, especially guys, right? Because I always go to Jesus, and Jesus never had sex. So we don't believe the scientists and the the medical experts that say we have to have sex to survive. That's half truth. No, I'm just teasing you. But we have to have sex to survive because Jesus did it. He was our perfect example. But he said in the word, the body belongs to the Lord, not for sex. Even as couples sitting in here, by the way, your body doesn't belong to you. Did you know that? That your body doesn't belong to you. But notice in these verses about sexual impurity. You need to read it with me. It tells you in beginning in verse 31. Or actually, I'm sorry, in verse, let's say, 24. The progression. Therefore, God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the, for the grading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Then he said, they start down that slippery slope, and he said, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Here's it spelled out very clearly to the churches in America that try to tell us, open doors, open hearts, open minds. That means they, they do not believe what the word of God says right here. He said he gave them over the shameful lust. Even their woman exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust from one another. Men committed indecent acts with one another or with other men. And re oh, here it is, the abandonment. And received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Now, it's not the unpardonable sin. I I'm not saying that at all. Okay, it's not the unpardonable sin if you're listening in. Getting divorced is not the unpardonable sin as some churches used to proclaim my first church. All those are divorced over here. You can't be in leadership. All those who committed a lot of sins, you're over here. You didn't get a divorce, but you look like you're a divorce. You can be leaders in the church. I hated that. I rebelled against that. All sin is forgivable. But this starts down that slippery slope where there is almost a point of no return because God abandons you to your foolish thinking. I want to remind you again about the body. Run from sexual sin, 1 Corinthians 6. If we go back there, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. The Bible teaches us run from sexual sins. All of us toy around with a little bit of sin. It could be going to a basketball game. It could go to a baseball game. Everything is salt and peppered with sin, at least from my perspective. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sign against your own body. Again, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Here it is. Women's livers listening you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body your body does not belong to you or men I don't want to picture this on ladies 1 Corinthians 7 now for us married couples, I think guys, I might get an amen out of this, and girls. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own two wives. I'm sorry, his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. I like this part. I want you to listen good. The husband... And husbands, I really need to help you with this now. You must fulfill your wife's sexual needs. Okay, husbands, I know it's hard, but please, please understand. It is your job, it is your duty to fulfill your wife's sexual needs, okay? Hey, Amen. Okay, I like that. 
Oh, okay. Oh, they, they do say, oh, okay. The guys are included here. The wife. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. I mean, it's like a car. You got a car, it's yours, I think. That body is yours. It belongs to you. Ah, but husband to your body, you also need to give over to your wife because it says the husband gives authority over to his body, to his wife. Here's the punchline. Guys, please, I want to really help you with your ladies, please. Please don't deprive your wife from sexual relations, okay? I get too many complaints about this. Get phone calls about this, texts with these guys who just are not satisfying their, 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 their wives. So you're not to deprive your wife, but also girls, you are not to deprive your husbands of the sexual relationship unless you both, no other excuses. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. One month is not a limited time. Three weeks is not a limited time. One year is not a limited time. One day is a limited time, okay? Two days. You're not to limit that sexual activity. It will solve a myriad of problems if we literally obey this. This is hardly talked about in the church only for fasting and prayer. I know I was speaking about truth and sometimes we make a little light of it and I didn't want to drive it home too hard. But we all have relationships where we know that people are practicing these things. But we are to love them. Family members, brothers and sisters, maybe moms and dads. We must love them is not the unpardonable sin. But God said, the final result is this. Not only is there sexual sin and immoral depravity because you reject, suppress the truth. Not only is there shameful lust, that means women lust for women and men for men, but there's one more. And this I will end with. The sinful, depraved minds. You wonder how why people are so berserk and crazy out there and insane and the mask has come off and they actually are the devil themselves screaming and laughing in front of your face in other words in verse 28 it says and since they did not consider god worth knowing god has given them over to worthless ways of thinking this is found in verse 28 romans 1 28 there here's what happens not only do they sinful shameful desires but they are filled with every kind of wickedness. That's in the LGBT community. Wait, LGBTQ community. There'll be probably another couple letters added pretty soon. They are filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, vice, and stuffed with jealousy, murder, quarreling, dishonesty, and ill will. They are gossipers, slanders, haters of God. They are insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Do you see this played out right before your eyes in our culture today? Do you? Amen. Again, remember this. Never forget this. The Bible teaches us that we once were one of them. So please do not look down your nose at other people. Act like you're innocent. All of us have been guilty of sins not the exact same sins so we're to have mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness as god had upon you remember a righteousness from heaven is being revealed that while we were sinners christ died for us god commended his love toward us that while we were sinners christ died for us before you thought about him he decided that he would die for you and that's our hope so scrapping the evidence will accomplish nothing. Everything is in plain sight for you and me to see that God exists and that he created all things. Eternity is in your mind and heart. You have the Bible and you have transformed lives. If you want out, 
of the cesspool of sin. God is waiting for you to scrap those idols of money, family, friends, vocation. I know this was tough news. Trust me, as a pastor, when people come in, it's not the greatest news that a pastor wants to preach on. But most of you already know that. But you and me once sat right there and we were living in the cesspool of sin until we cried out to God and said this. And now I'm with this. The ABCs of salvation. We're going to talk about this next week. A, admit. Admit you are part of this. Never sit in a chair acting like nothing has never affected you. Admit it. Admit that if you suppress the evidence that this is what will happen. God, I did. I knew it existed. I did what I wanted anyhow. I have 13 grandkids. I tell them not to do something, but they go ahead and do it anyhow, right? So we understand as adults that we're like that, right? Amen? We're like that, so don't try to think you're not like that. So admit you're a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe what God just talked about. There's a righteousness available that will cover all your sin debt. It's available when Jesus died on the cross and took your wrath and my wrath, your judgment and my judgment. God poured it out on him instead of you and me. Praise God. That deserves a praise clap. Amen. He took your wrath and your judgment. And then see, put your confidence alone in Yeshua HaMashiach. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. What's his name? Jesus, the Messiah that the world was waiting for. Put your confidence in him alone. Call on him. Jesus, I remember. I'm almost dying on drugs. I'm almost dead. God, will you help me? I remember doing that. Did you remember doing that when you were a sinner? And you cried out. You didn't come up with some fancy prayer. No one went to school to teach you how to pray. You sent up an SOS. God, help me. Save me. I'm dying. I'm going to hell. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen to me. I had no big religious prayer. I just cried out. If you cried out or you will cry out today and say, God, forgive me, save me immediately. You will be born into his family. He gives you the gift of eternal life. You are baptized into the family of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you and you now will have the power, the hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom of God and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord and the Savior of the world. Would you stand and give him one more praise clap this morning? Amen.